welcome to the Labrador podcast from Tales of Success Labrador Training. I've got a guest joining me today to talk about her experience of early puppyhood. She will give us some of her first-hand experiences and insights into caring for and training for a new Labrador puppy. Hi everyone, I'm Vicky Sharp, your host for the Tales of Success podcast. For those of you that are tuning in for the very first time and don't yet know me, I'm a dog trainer with a difference, and that's because I specialize in training Labradors to help them become incredible family pets. We're based close to the Wiltshire and Gloucestershire borders in the UK. You can train with me in person, or if you're further afield, join us for live interactive online training. If you want to find out more about those, you can find us at talesofsuccess.com. My guest for today's episode is Millie. Millie and her puppy have recently graduated after joining me for training at our online puppy school. Millie, thank you for joining me on this episode. Um, people will naturally get to know a bit about you during our chat, but let's start off with a little introduction to your puppy. So tell everyone all about that little bundle of fluff that you've got. Absolutely. Thank you so much, Vicky, for having us. Um, so Bonnie is my, so I think she's 20 weeks old this week. Um, and she is my yellow working Labrador. Um, she is absolutely amazing. I call her my leggy blonde um, and my golden girl. She's just full of fun, but she's like one of the best things that happened to me, I'd say. Good. So five months old. Yeah. Um, that's kind of that tough, difficult part of a dog's life between the lovely puppy phase and the terrible teenage phase. So, um, are you happy that she's kind of still in puppy phase or have we started to see that she's going to adolescence yet? I would say I'm holding on to the puppy phase, but I can see little glimmers of her sort of getting a little bit more confident and wanting to go a little bit further and sort of almost not needing me a little bit. <laughs> and I'm a bit like, oh, what's happening now? Yeah, so, I just, yeah. I just, want, I just want my fluffy puppy back. That's probably what you're thinking. Have you had Bonnie since she was eight weeks old, brand new little puppy? We, we actually picked her up when she was nine weeks old, um, just purely because my partner's a police officer. So it was kind of worked with his shifts to pick him up and he had a few days off. So yeah, nine weeks, picked up my little girl, my Good. baby. And what was the process of finding her? Did you kind of scope out a particular breeder? Did she just happen to pop up at the right time? I actually found a breeder before and got put on a waiting list. And they had the puppies hadn't actually been born yet. So I was sort of right eagerly really waiting for the call to say they'd been born. And then I got the call and unfortunately she'd had less puppies than what they were expecting. So I missed out on that sort of litter. And then I was kind of a little bit like, oh, is it the right time? Like maybe this is a little bit of a sign, but I couldn't stop thinking about it. And I'd already brought a little toy and stuff. So I was like, I just think I need one. And I looked online and I found a breeder and I wasn't, I wasn't even really sure, but I, I sort of like got in contact, asked, asked him if he wanted to ask me any questions and just got such a great feeling for him. So I arranged to go and see him. It was actually like between Christmas and New Year. And I just went up and it was, it was three and a half hours away in Wrexham. Um, and I went up and visited them and I just fell in love with Bonnie straight away. Good. It's definitely worth traveling to a decent breeder when you find them. Um, 
and you know I've obviously seen Bonnie during our training sessions but for those people that are listening to this we're going to give you details later of how you can see some pictures of Bonnie because she's absolutely adorable she's a beautiful light color um is she from working lines just tell people kind of whether you looked into that did you know whether she was working or show line when you got her so she is working line both her parents are actually working dogs and the actual breeder runs a shoot and stuff so they were quite actively working I've only had experience before by the show line dog so I kind of had a bit of a connection to them I love the chunkiness <laughs> whereas um my partner actually preferred the show line so it was kind of a little bit of a compromise and then when I was looking for the breeder I actually didn't really mind I was kind of like right let's just find someone I get a really good feel of feel from mm, yeah that's that's a wise thing to do definitely so working line uh Labrador but actually she's just kept as a a family pet she's not intended for any working purposes is she she's just going to be like this lovely family pet Labrador that goes places with you and just enjoys life is that correct yeah exactly that I have sort of thought about maybe doing some of the sort of scent work with her just because I think it's quite nice to tap into that working working line a little bit um but I haven't sort of done much research so it's something that I'm sort of quite excited to explore as she gets a bit older yeah it would definitely be a good thing to do I love scent detection just to tap into that natural desire that most Labradors have of using their nose and working so maybe we'll see you on one of our scent detection programs in the not too distant future um so how long have you owned Labradors? Is Bonnie your first and only lab? You've just kind of suggested there's previous experience with Labrador. So tell me a bit about that connection with them from when you were younger. So my fam, like my mum's side family have always had Labradors. I think my granddad might, there's probably six or seven. I'm not fully sure, but he always talks about them and there's pictures all over. Um, so I kind of grew up with Labradors and then my family dog, JD, we got nine years ago when I was 17. So it was kind of like, wasn't really my responsibility, but it was like taking her for walks and doing the whole teaching her to pour and stuff. And she was just like my best mate. When I first left home, I literally would cry because I miss JD so much. <laughs> um, so I've always had that soft spot for Labradors. I'd always call myself a Labrador girl. Good, good. We've kind of, we've got you as another crazy Labrador lady, which is good. Um, <laughs> where would you say Bonnie and JD, let's talk about them both. So where are they at their happiest? What do they do? What is their kind of favourite thing or favourite place to be? I'd say Bonnie is happiest when she's eating, but also when we're working or doing some kind of training, when I'm, she's sort of when she's giving me the eye contact and connecting with me, she seems really excited and engaged. That's when I can see her being really happy. And JD, she is definitely the happiest when she's pottering around the allotment with my dad. She, it, honestly, since like it's been colder and wetter and she hasn't been going around, every time the door opens, I sort of see her going to like walk around the allotment and she just loves it. <laughs> when when you were kind of growing up around JD what sort of age would you have been when she was going through that puppy phase do you remember that so she was so I was 17 and my little sister was probably 10 I think mm -hmm. and JD was 
like mental like I just remember her being crazy my little sister actually called her the rat dog because she was just so so nippy and I've got a video on my phone of her me just videoing her nicely and her just jumping up to the camera and biting it and it we would we, the house was just absolutely crazy but it was amazing I wouldn't have changed anything I would say that kind of now that I'm old with Bonnie is like I kind of realise when Bonnie's getting a little bit like that and I know how to deal with it more. Whereas when we were younger, we were just like, oh, she's got us, she's got us. Like it was just, it was just nuts. <laughs> so would you say then the relationship you had with JD when you were that age, was that more of kind of, I don't know, I suppose playmate type thing? Because I guess your your parents or your carers probably did the walking, the feeding, the training, you know, all the serious stuff. Absolutely. We were we were just that like JD was just our little another sibling really. We were just having fun and mum and dad did all the serious stuff and they did do a great job because JD was crate trained and like there was definitely rules that we had to like listen to with with JD like she wasn't allowed on the sofa and we weren't allowed to feed her human food because labs would just eat anything wouldn't they and the, <laughs> I think they were worried we'd feed her something she wasn't allowed but um. So they definitely, definitely worked hard with her, but I just wasn't aware of it. I just had no idea that that's what they were doing. <laughs> I, th- I think it's it's quite surprising for a lot of people how involved it is when you've got full responsibility for this bitey little lovely puppy that needs to learn everything. Do you think your your limited experience with training and caring for JD helped you decide how to cope with Bonnie? Or did you go into it? feeling like actually oh it's just going to be a load of fun like it was with JD back then I think I definitely realized it was my responsibility and I did look into it a lot more and I sort of did like the little research on the forums and I'd always take those things with a little bit of a pinch of salt but it was kind of like the things like a tight overtired overstimulated puppy is a nippy puppy so we've got a room for Bonnie in our house we haven't got it's like We've got like a little cupboard that I've sort of emptied out with a stair gate and we've we've got a two and a half year old nephew. So when he'd come around, he he absolutely loves her to bit, which is bits, which is amazing. But if it got too much, then Bonnie's got her safe space where she can just go and relax and I can separate them. So it's not like worrying about a two year old getting nipped fingers or something. It's actually a controlled madness. Yeah, and you you'll never get rid of puppy madness and we never want to get rid of puppy madness because that's part no. of the joy of having them. But yeah, managing it, controlling it and keeping a lid on the madness at some point is useful. And you say about Bonnie has her own room. It's like a little dog hotel. It's lovely. It's under your stairs, <laughs> nice spacious bed. And it, yeah, it looks looks proper plush. It's nice. Um, she's obviously very happy there. So talking about happiness, what what is the best thing about having Bonnie in your life? I mean, just when we speak about her, you smile. So I know that she's a big part oh, of her life. What is the best bit? She, I think she's just come to me at the, the perfect time. So I work from home all the time. Um, I work in like a salesy job on the computer. So it's kind of, I don't really see my workmates or teammates a lot. And then James is a policeman as well. So just having my little work, little mate around in the company and getting up in the morning and coming down the stairs and she's excited to see me like, it's just the best feeling in the world. It's it's almost like having that responsibility has just given me another like thing to wake up for in the morning. Um, 
I just love her to bits. Absolutely love her to bits. <laughs> yeah, so you should. I'm sure uh, she feels the same way about you. So you probably get those kind of waggy tails and wet nose kisses most mornings, um, which is a delight to come down to. It's nice when someone's happy to see you. Yeah. Um, let's talk about training. So you've done a good bit of training from previous experience. You've trained with us at puppy school. So what does your weekly or, or daily training routine look like um, for you and Bonnie? What sort of stuff do you get up to? Yeah, so I feed bon- Bonnie just on dry kibble. Um, so I would say that at least one of her meals a day, I put in the training pouch and I'm walking around doing some, whether it be a bit of a heel or practicing some recall in the house or settling, like all those different things we learned in puppy school, I would say I do it at least once a day. Um, we've also recently been practicing just having her in the boot of the car at, on the drive and not like her not jumping out or coming to jump at me because we drive quite a lot of places. So it's quite an important thing for me to train. Um, and also I would take like a handful out when we go for walks and just practice that loosely walking. So like I get a lot of compliments about how good puppy um, Bonnie is. And I know that it's this like wonderful puppy stage. So I'm sort of waiting for that next step. But I have put in a lot of work and it is an everyday almost every moment every interaction there is consistency and there is some form of training yeah consistency you know that's a word you've chosen to use and it's a word that crops up with a lot of people that we speak to when we ask that same question consistency is a massive part of training the dog because if you train them to do something and you do it maybe once a day for a week but then you stop for two weeks your dog's going to kind of forget and it's going to lose the edge and what it has and that consistent almost daily approach for the important stuff is so so key to create good habits but also what we want to make sure we do during the training phase is prevent our dogs creating bad habits for themselves because labradors are amazing they will learn anything we ask them to do and if we don't ask them to do it they're going to find their own stuff to do and usually that's the kind of undesirable stuff so with that consistency and constant chipping away at it, you will get to where you need to be. Sometimes it takes a couple of weeks, sometimes a couple of months, sometimes a couple of years. It depends on the dog, the skill and the behavior that you're looking at. What what would you say your top five skills are that you want to focus on? So not necessarily what you're really good at, but what are kind of those five things that are most important to you? Um. 100% recall like that's super important so she have that free that freedom we've also been doing like wait and settle so that we can take her to the pub lunch or whatever and she can be like a good companion what I mentioned before the not jumping straight out of the car and also that loose lead just because I want to enjoy the walk I don't want to be pulled down the road <laughs> dog walk is a dog walk actually the walk is for the dog but you have to enjoy going on that walk with her so lots of people contact us when the dog's two years old and say oh crikey I didn't do any training how do I stop my dog pulling and they've actually let their dog pull for two years in the first place which is the first hurdle that we need to overcome so you you, you've kind of got this routine of what you're doing already and you've got to keep going and keep going and keep going until that just becomes the normal thing for Bonnie and you definitely will get there um because you've put a lot of effort into training you're seeing the benefits already but do you think training was an essential part of that first few weeks and months? And could you imagine living with Bonnie now if you hadn't have done any training with her? 
I it it's one of the best things I've invested in like 100% and it's I think it's actually allowed us to create such a better bond and when I'm out and about and like we do different practicing and stuff and I can see her like just working with me and it's such a nice feeling and I I just I can't imagine the stress it would be if I didn't have that little bit of control and that good relationship with her and having to just battle with her every day and I 100% training has been the best thing that I focused on with her good good you you'll see all the rewards and it'll carry on and it'll carry on and and training will be continuous you know don't ever think we don't need to train because it's something that Bonnie clearly enjoys and finding new things to keep doing with her will keep that relationship strong and you're both going to enjoy that with the training that you've done um would you say you've kind of signed up I suppose to a particular type or style of training so there's many different methods out there so just a couple of examples there's purely reward-based there's using food there's toys there's punishment there's balanced methods there's all sorts of different things that people label their training as do you kind of sign up to one of those you might correct me if I'm wrong but I think we just do the bait like reward based sort of thing so I with any sort of training I kind of base it with what I learned with you which was say her name say the command mark it when she does it and then reward her and I think that's is that reward yeah yeah, absolutely. So when we when we train a puppy, when we're looking at kind of brand new skills, that's exactly the way to do it. It's about clear communication with them, acknowledging them, telling them what to do, how to do it, and and really kind of guiding them through it and making sure they feel that it's a beneficial thing to be doing. So yeah, pretty much everything we did was was kind of positive reinforcement during that puppy stage. Um and she likes food as well. That, that's really helpful when you're training a Labrador puppy, right? She probably has tucked away a good amount of food during your little training sessions. She loves it. Loves it too much, I would say. <laughs> do, do you feel that she has um, coped well with that style of training? Do you think she's understood what she's meant to be doing and she feels that it's worth doing? Yes, I do think she does. There's like the couple of things that we struggle with a little bit. is like the set of training because I think she's it's almost like she's constantly in training mode. Like she hasn't got the hang of just yet actually just chilling out while she's constantly waiting for me to say, yeah, good job or yes. Mm-hmm. So 100% she's working well of it, but it's just sort of like in the different situations, how can we work around it as well? Which is yeah. just part of it, I guess, part of training a puppy. Yeah, and, and situational training as well, because in the context of how we teach a dog, they might be really good at, doing that particular skill in in your garden but if you ask them to do the same skill in a field you might get a totally different response so we should never think that our dog has just mastered a skill because they can do it in your living room or your garden Mm. it's about making sure they can still perform that skill to the same level around distractions and over greater distances and different durations so that's kind of the thing to be chipping away at you know can we do all this good stuff in different places as well and you know you use the word sort of challenges the settle was a bit of a challenge the overall picture of owning a Labrador do you think it has been different from how you maybe perceived it might be I actually think it's better than what I was expecting I think I was expecting it to be 
like a lot more hard work and I'm not I'm not saying it isn't hard work I think I'm saying that I think I was going to find it more hard work but I think just building that bond and sort of enjoying the moment and know why I'm doing it and having those goals has just made me enjoy it so much so and just having her around she just makes it worth it it's like I want to do good by her and I want her to be the best dog she can be and it's it's definitely been I mean I could just be really lucky and just have a perfect puppy but it's been a lot better than what I was expecting. I was expecting to be very emotional and find it really, really hard. Mm. But I've actually really, really enjoyed it. I do really hope that continues. There's no reason why it shouldn't. It's a really <laughs> nice routine. So don't kind of just have in the back of your mind, you might have a slip up occasionally, but, you know, take the credit for where you're at because it's not it's not a fluke. You're not here by chance. You, you have got a good puppy, but you're doing the right stuff with her. What would you say the biggest challenge is that you faced with Bonnie and and how have you tackled it what have you done to try and overcome those challenges I think the thing that I found hardest in the first and I mean it wasn't for a long period was definitely the sort of getting her used to her room at like at night it was she got hold of it really quickly but I think it was the whole I made sure she had been out she'd been to the toilet she had water she wasn't, wasn't hungry but this whole FOMO when you put them in their crate and they're crying and moaning and barking at you just to let them out and sort of working out the balance of they've just got to get used to it but also am I being kind I found that really hard so it was a lot of kind of little but often making sure it was really fun thinking of different ways to sort of get happy in it and I I do have an office upstairs but I work down on the dining room table which is right in front of her crate so she could see me she could smell me I was there and that first bit was just hard because I felt mean but actually it was I wasn't being mean she was okay she just wanted to be out with me (laughs) yeah and it's a really really tough time for a puppy because when they get brought to this new loving home at eight nine weeks old They also get taken away from everything that they know. So they get taken away from their mum, their brothers, their sisters, the home they're used to. It's like being in an alien world when they come to this new house. Mm. They're not quite sure yet whether it's a safe place, whether they're loved, whether they need to be scared. So there's always going to be a bit of anxiety there. But you you kind of said FOMO, so fear of missing out. And that that's what it develops into relatively quickly because suddenly Bonnie was going great I've got this great human she looks after me she feeds me she loves me but why has she gone upstairs without me and she was probably just desperate for you to come back and carry on that fun and enjoyment and it can be frustrating um, but would you say she's kind of over that? I definitely like she's settled in now to it so well and I think one of the like the best things we did was just making it not a big deal so when I put her in I didn't even say anything to her I'd give at night time I'd give her a bedtime biscuit and sort of say good night but it wouldn't be like oh bye baby I'll miss you so much goodbye like it was none of that it was very sort of come on then let's go shut the door I walk away and then when I came back even when I said hello to her it was I'd take my shoes off I'd get my coat off I'd do whatever I needed to do and then I just open the crate and it would be chilled and I think that has really helped because it's not like every time mum opens the door it's the best thing in the world it's just another thing it's just really chilled 
kind of like making it a non-event, nothing yeah. to be worried about, nothing to be excited about. Um, on the issue of kind of settling and chilling out and FOMO and stuff, talk us through the nighttime routine that you had in the first couple of weeks, because for some people, they find it really useful just to put the dog in the crate, let them cry it out and, and go to bed. Others will sleep on the sofa. Others will have the crate in the bedroom. There's no real right or wrong because it will work different for different people. But what was your experience? And based on your individual situation, what would you recommend to other people? Yeah, so we um, actually slept downstairs for the first sort of week, just under a week. It's weird when we finished sleeping downstairs, I actually felt a little bit upset. I was like, oh, he's getting bigger now. But um, yeah, so we sat downstairs in the living room and I picked up her water from like sort of seven o'clock in the evening and then in the evening she was sort of playing a little bit she was quite sleepy she slept a lot and then I would take her out to the toilet probably about half 11 ish so quite late and then I would just put her into her bed with a little bedtime biscuit and I would just sit with my back to the the baby gate sort of door and I just sit with her and at first I had my hand just in the, the sort of gate so she could kind of smell me she touched me sort of but she would cry a little bit and then I just sit there and I'd almost like shush her like a baby like I'd be like shh, 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 shh. I also had like brown noise playing so I think that can be quite relaxing like even when I can't sleep I put that on sometimes and I got her one of those cuddly toys which have got a heartbeat on so she had like a few different things just to try and chill her out a little bit but then as soon as she was sort of quiet for like a couple of minutes I would just sort of sneak off and get into the sofa or whatever um and then I set an alarm actually to wake her up to go to the toilet at different intervals but she she beat me so she cried and I actually didn't hang around I just instantly got up picked her up but didn't sort of no fuss or nothing took her outside um I would say a cue word to get her to go for a wee. I'd always say, be quick, Bonnie. Um, and then as soon as she did a wee, I'd be like, yes, and sort of say, yes, good girl a lot. So she did actually go to the toilet straight away, which I was like, wow, this is actually happening. <laughs> Picked her up, put her back into her bed and just sit by the um, gate again until she settled. Um, and then I set an alarm again because I was like, right, I'll give her a couple of hours and see if she needs out again. And then I can just sort of wake her up. But again, she she kind of beat me to it so I let her out but that was like five o'clock in the morning so I was like actually we've put her to bed at half 11 she woke once at like half one and then she slept again till five and I was like wow like this is okay and again I took her out and she went to the toilet straight away and then I put her back in just for a couple of minutes um, and I think I got up at like six and then got up took her out and that was that and the second night, she only woke once in the night because I was kind of like, she's telling me she needs the toilet. So let's just go with it. Like I was quite sort of open minded to it. Um, and again, she did sort of half 11. Then she woke up at two in the morning and then she woke again at half five. And we just went like that. And then and then by night four, she was going from half 11 until half five in the morning. And, and is that when you managed to dive off back to bed rather than being on the sofa? Yeah. <laughs> we went upstairs and I sort of I had a camera and all these alerts on so I was like I can hear as soon as she needs me I will be there but every time for me it was just I just wanted to make her feel and I 
I don't know if they do feel it, but I just wanted her to know that anything she needed, I was going to be there for her. Um, and yeah, that was that. You know, that. That is what I do. I know we spoke about this before you even mm. brought Bonnie home. And when I have a new puppy, I always spend the first 10 days or so on the sofa next to the dog's pen or, or crate not because I'm going to be there for their every whim to go right yeah let's have a cuddle but just being present being that consistent thing the only consistent thing in their life just so they don't feel really alone in this big old scary brand new house helps the dog bond with you immensely and yeah they just kind of feel like you're there you've got their back you're going to look after them and also being so close every time they need the toilet, you know about it mm. before any accidents happen, which really helps with the toilet training as well. So would you go through the same method again? Would you spend a bit of time on the sofa for the for the next puppy that you get? 100%. Like, yeah. absolutely. I think that's definitely, definitely helped us. And another thing we did is we didn't ever really let her fall asleep on us. Like we we kind of would sit on the floor and play with her. But like when she was tired... I would put her into her crate a little bit or I'd put her into her bed and just stroke her. And I think even though it's the best having a puppy fall asleep with you, I think that actually just helped her just get used to sleeping in her bed and feeling comfortable to do that. Um, but yeah, if I was to get another one, I'd definitely sleep on the sofa and yeah. do that. And that bit about not letting them sleep on you is great advice. So if people are listening to this and they're going through this, if your puppy falls to sleep on you, that's absolutely okay. But just make sure they wake up in their bed or in their crate. So once they've nodded off, just lift them up, pop them back in their crate. So actually they wake up and they go, oh, I'm in my bed. It's a nice, safe place and, and everything's been okay. It will help condition them to that crate. Um, there's been loads of good stuff that you've kind of spoken about. And you're smiling as every time you mention Bonnie's name, you've got a smile on your face. But it's not all good stuff because actually the realities of owning a dog are tough. So what is the most frustrating part of having a Labrador in your life? I think the most frustrating thing for us has been the loose lead walking and like being out and about. Um, you do just need like Bonnie's training has been hard work but she's been so quick at learning and picked it up very quickly. But this side of things has definitely been like testing our patience. So like she's a bit of a yo-yo dog. <laughs> so she'll come to heel nicely. I'll reward her and then she'll be like straight in front. So then we have to stop. So you don't really get anywhere quickly. And at first I was a little bit like, oh, why aren't you getting this? But then I kind of was like, right, let's just chill with it. Let's just go with it. And also when you're out and about, you'll all probably realize that if you've got a Labrador puppy, people just go a bit scatty. They're like, they are the cutest puppies in the world, in my opinion. And everybody wants to say hello and everybody goes all high pitch. So trying to keep her focused on me when everyone else is sort of like wants to say hello, I have found very, very challenging. <laughs> it doesn't come natural to us. You know, when people want to come and say hello to this cute little puppy, you feel a bit rude, don't you? Kind of saying back off, leave us alone. But it does help if you can be that person that just kind of ignores everyone and walks around them and tries your very best just to keep your dog away from them. Because if you let your dog go up to everyone and get all the fuss, they suddenly think that every person is just super friendly and lovely and it can encourage things like jumping. So again, we've spoken about this before. Me with my puppy, I'm 
the worst person in the world because I will not speak to a person <laughs> when I'm walking my little puppy. I'm like, we're going around this way and, and trying my best just not to make eye contact with anyone because I don't want anyone coming and putting their hands in my dog's face and getting them all riled up. And I think um, that that was kind of one thing that I have learned so quickly was that everyone talks about socialising a puppy and I always thought that's letting them say hello to everybody but actually it's just almost letting them walk past everybody and yeah. that that's something that I was kind of really quick to learn that I don't she does not have to say hello to everybody. Yeah and, and a good way to think about socialisation is we need to get away from this idea that socialization is just getting your dog to play with other dogs and play with people. We actually need to start thinking that what we want is to socialize our puppy to things for them to become really neutral around them. So they learn that dogs and people aren't really exciting. They aren't really scary. They're just like this thing that's there and, and they give quite a neutral response to. So that's why avoiding some situations of getting in the melee can be quite useful. Um, hindsight is a great thing, right? So we learn from our experiences, we have hindsight, we've done stuff, and we, we may do things differently in the future. So I wanna ask you a question. You can be as critical as you like, or you know, reflective as you like, but what would you say is a dog-related, you can use the word failure, um, and what do you think you've learned from it? Yeah, so when I first moved out, so when I was 21, um, my boyfriend at the time, his mum, bred some good golden doodles and I absolutely fell in love with one and James brought me her for Christmas. She was called Copper and she was an absolutely brilliant dog. Like She's still great now and everything, but I would say that I let her down and I think that I failed her just because the timing turned out to be really, really bad for us to have a puppy and to have a dog. Um, I don't think I was ready or I don't think I was mature enough to really have a dog personally. I expected a lot, a lot from her and it sort of very quickly, my mental health just went downhill the, the situation was like we were living in a flat. I actually had a broken foot in a cast up to my knee, which was non-weight bearing. Um, so I, everything was just, I couldn't really do anything with her. Because <laughs> like now with Bonnie, it's really easy to pick her up, take her outside or do whatever I need to walk with her. But I couldn't even walk myself. So I couldn't carry her down a flight stairs to do the toilet training, everything. But um we ended up having to make the decision to rehome Copper, which broke me. Like I, I've never cried so much in my life. And but now she's gone to live with James's brother and she has like the most amazing life and everything's turned out the best. But I would say that that was probably one of the things that I, I feel like I failed with in rela relation to like dogs. However, looking at least sort of like reflectively, I do think that it's made me such a better dog owner now because I learned so much from it and I learned that the the things I didn't want to happen again and how to sort of like make make those things not happen again and yeah it's it's tough to talk about because I, she did nothing wrong it was it was me and if I could go if I could go back 
I would do things so differently for her. Would you say that that was a case of kind of the expectation of what a puppy is and what they do and how, I'm going to say, easy to care for was just very different from the the actual reality that you had? Yeah, I think I was just kind of like, oh, I've moved out. I've got my lovely boyfriend. We've got a little flat. We want a dog. Um, and I just expected her to be well behaved, fully trained, fully potty trained and like JD at home, basically. Um, without kind of putting the work in um, which yeah was just not very fair of her and e- even to the point where I'd started a new job so I kind of left her on alone a little bit too much and then she'd have an accident and I'd guess get frustrated and it was just yeah it was just not I guess it was just a very difficult lesson. Yeah, for learn. sure. But you, you mentioned that Ashley Copper is living a great life. She she's gone. To oh yeah, she's so happy. More suited to her. So, what age was she when she she moved on to her new forever home? So we did actually have her for I think she she was two when she moved when she moved on. Um, and yeah, she, she's so happy now, and she, she lives with um a little Sprudel, and they're like best mates, and they go out and yeah it like I think everything happens for a reason and she is so much happier now and I almost feel a little bit proud that I did make that decision because I think it would have been really easy even though not probably not easy on me but easy just to keep her keep going both of us to been unhappy and it not to work and yeah I, I don't really know what it'd be like now but actually sort of being honest with people around me that it was really hard and then making that decision, it has worked out for the best. You know, I, th- I think it's a brave decision to make because, as you've just kind of said, if you hadn't have made that decision, you would have potentially had Copper with you for 15 years. Copper would have been a bit unhappy. You might have been a bit unhappy, but actually you've made the decision for all the right reasons. And she's gone off to live, a, by the sounds of it, a wonderful life. And I know she lives fairly close, so you still have contact with her and you get to know all about her, right? Yeah, they literally, they actually live like we're number nine on the street and they're number 28 now. So we see them all the time. I look after her. She comes and stays at ours or I go around and walk her. So I definitely have like a good bit of contact. It's not like I've just cut all ties. Um, and she's one, Adam and Jen look after her so well. So um, I can't, I can't fault them. They've done amazing with her now. And I guess the experience of having copper in your life has helped with the relationship that you've built with Bonnie because you you've learned lessons from it and you have probably done stuff different would you say it it has been a in a weird kind of way a useful experience to help with that relationship with Bonnie yeah absolutely because I'm just so much more understanding and I'm kind of like I almost just sort of had no expectations for Bonnie whereas I had so many for Copper which meant that I was always frustrated with her whereas with Bonnie I'm sort of right let's see how you go with this let's work at our own pace let's do this together like it's a partnership as mad as that sounds because it's a dog but it's definitely it's us together doing this together and making this work whereas before it was it was almost like I was a bit selfish like I just wanted this this dog because I wanted a dog um and not sort of thinking what was the best for her. So I've definitely put things and made structure and even little things like when Bonnie goes to stay with other people or do anything like that. Like I'm so much more 
set with her routine on what they what I need them to do or how that I want them to look after her just purely because that's her best interest and it's that consistency again isn't it keeping things consistent because that is in her best interest and I suppose low expectations and consistency are, are very good rules to have in the back of your head when you go a puppy because you're not going to be too disappointed so based on your experience with JD with Copper and Bonnie if you could give a couple of bits of advice to a new Labrador owner so someone sat at home listening to this with an eight-week-old puppy that's just finding it a bit of a challenge what would you say to them? I definitely what we mentioned before is not having those expectations and sort of going with the flow but creating almost a routine so you know you know where you want to go and you know what they want to do and have those sort of set rules for your household but then when you're training just sort of not expect that everything's going to go well for first time if it does amazing that's great celebrate it but if it doesn't it's okay we can try again and they are going to get it wrong because they are a baby and they're just learning so that is that's been super important for us and also really taking those first few weeks just to build that bond and that trust and helping them to know that you are going to be there if they they need you in any situation so really setting them up for success and helping them never to be put in a situation where they could make the wrong decision so like if that for example you don't want them to eat some sort of food don't leave it lying around where they can find it or we had a situation with the hoover where I started hoovering. I could tell Bonnie was a little bit nervous. So my first reaction was to tell her to get to heel. So she was behind me. So she couldn't sort of get affected by the hoover. Whereas when my part my partner did it, he didn't really think like that. And she started to get a little bit more anxious. So it's kind of telling them something you want them to do in a situation where they could make the wrong decision. Um, because you are the boss, really. Um, and 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 they need your help and that prevents failure but promotes success and you know you end up with a puppy that kind of gets it because they understand the rules and and you're not going to put them in that situation where they're likely to to mess it up like you say they're still learning their babies aren't they at that age yeah absolutely um there's some really key bits of advice they're really useful bits of information that you shared with us so you know people have listened about bonnie now but they want to go and see this little lady they want to see how lovely she is so where can the listeners to this podcast find Bonnie? Where can they follow you on social media platforms? Um, so I do have an Instagram for Bonnie um, and it's at Bonnie with an IE underscore the underscore lab 22. Perfect. Uh, go check her out on that Instagram profile. She is lovely. Give her a little like and a follow. Um, Millie, thank you for sharing your experiences with us and being so honest. And I'm sure our listeners will have found your experiences pretty valuable and interesting. And a big thank you from me as well for being really committed to Bonnie's ongoing training. And I just urge you, keep it up, keep going, and you will have an absolutely cracking dog. Thanks for joining us. Find out more by checking out talesofsuccess.com or search at Tales Success on your social channels.
Thanks for joining us. Find out more by checking out talesofsuccess.com or search at Tales Success on your social channels.